Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast on the C-Suite Radio Network. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, Revenue Growth Architect, helping great companies accelerate growth. This has been a fantastic week. I've been speaking and participating in the EOS virtual conference for companies that run their business based on the book Traction. And what I've seen this week is truly inspiring. One of the core values of EOS Worldwide, the company that hosted the conference, is this, grow or die. Grow or die. This is certainly a value we can all embrace right now. And as we look to the future, the most important thing we can do is work to chart a path to recover and grow revenue. You know, over the last couple months, all of us have learned how to pivot. Now we need to learn to plan. It's an important time to be a visionary, to look to the future, to build strategies for success. And on the Revenue Growth Podcast, I'm committed to bringing you fresh ideas every week to help you drive growth. Together, we get to hear the latest ideas from sales and marketing thought leaders. The feedback I've been hearing from you is really encouraging. A huge thank you to everybody who's sharing the podcast, leaving reviews on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever platform you use to listen. Thanks for helping us get the word out. This week, we're joined by Jim Carr. He's the author of The Science of Customer Connections. Jim is passionate about helping businesses manage their message so they can grow. In the Revenue Growth Engine book, I talk about how the fuel for your growth engine is a message that's focused on your ideal clients and the business outcomes they want to achieve. Jim's ideas today will help you reshape your message to ensure that everyone in your organization is saying the same thing. As you listen to this conversation, you're going to find many practical ideas you can use right away. So grab a pen and a notepad, and let's dive into this conversation with Jim Carr. Well, Jim, welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here today. What's going on? Daryl, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here uh, in your growing portfolio of podcasts and uh, talking to people <laughs> who, who have to live and, live and die every day by, uh, by being able to grow revenue and grow their customer relationships. So I feel like I'm among our people. Well, you, you are, we're definitely kindred spirits in all of this. And, you know, at, as I've, I believe this for years, and it was a huge part of, of Revenue Growth Engine, just the mindset of saying, buyers don't buy products, they buy outcomes. And the way that we talk about our companies is really, really critical when it comes to driving success. And I know that's a huge part of the science of customer connections. It absolutely is. And Daryl, and, and for your listeners, a lot of this is based on uh, some research, some science, the, certainly in there, a lot of it around psychology and buyer behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also based on practical experience and living the practical experience of other sales leaders, business owners, um, field teams, service teams, and the like. And I, I would hear very, uh, and still do today, hear some very common frustrations. So there's the, there's the why don't they get it 
frustrating. <laughs> right. Yeah. It could be your own. It could be your own sales team or your own people inside the company. Like, well, they don't really get uh, how we make money or what a what a great fit customer or client is or what we yeah. have to offer. And then, of course, oftentimes it's our customers and our prospects. Why don't they get it? Why don't they understand? You know that we have great performance and our orientation to customer satisfaction and all the things that make us great in our history and our heritage yeah so trying to get around the the frustration about that mm -hmm. how do you stand out when there's so much noise uh, out in the business environment and and what customers and prospects are are hearing and then just how do you how do you have unique real differentiation and make yourself part of the real organic natural conversations that people have inside and outside of your business. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting in, in my experience in leading sales teams and then working with client sales teams it, and then marketing, you know, it's, it's like one rep saying one thing and other sales reps saying something very different. Um, and then marketing's message is all over the board. And then you've got your customer service people and your frontline and, and, what I thought was fascinating about the book, I mean, I think every business uh, owner, every marketing leader, sales leader in a dream world, everyone would be singing from the same songbook, play, you know, playing the same thing. Um, but what I was struck by as I started reading The Science of Customer Connections is uh, how much of an impact that a ununified message has on the actual top line and bottom line of a business in terms of there's a cost to not being clear. There's a, a lot of costs in, in both some that are very easy to track that uh, sales leaders, business owners are keeping track of all the time. So they may uh -huh. be looking at um, the pace of new opportunities. They may be looking at account penetration and share of wallet. They might be looking at win rates or time uh -huh. to close or all those things like that. A disjointed, inconsistent, undifferentiated message uh, gets in the way of all of those things. The other thing um, at an even higher level, uh, Daryl, that, that I see, I don't, I don't know any sales leader, any business owner, any subject matter expert that doesn't want to be a trusted source. Right. Say, consultative. I want to be a trusted advisor. And, and here's the thing. Um, what I see is that um, first of all, if, your message is very inconsistent. And that can be all the way from, you know, what's on your website to what's in your sales collateral, but also mm -hmm. what people are actually saying that's out there. That erodes trust. Because if people hear 10 different things about you, they don't know what to believe. So they probably mm. don't believe very much at all. Uh, and so that's, that's part of it too. And as we can dive into a little bit more, I, I've come up with a very simple shorthand about trustworthiness and what is required, and especially these days when, when people feel a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. their, their plans have gone out the window and they need good guidance and someone they can trust. So I find that trustworthiness is roughly equal parts expertise, which is what you know, what you offer and what you know how to do, your credentials, experience and all that. Mm -hmm. The other part is empathy. And that's a real understanding of the outcomes that that customer wants, the, uh -huh. the frustrations that that customer has, their situation right now. The only way that you can really demonstrate your empathy is through asking good questions, having conversations with those customers and prospects. You, you probably uh, heard it said, you know, you, your expertise, your credibility comes from the questions you ask. 
and yeah. the advice I give, and I find that to be true. So looking at this in a very strategic uh, and simple sort of way, building that consistency and having people be able to really engage on the right terms with your market is how you're going to not only be more efficient, grow that top line, but you're also going to continue to build your trustworthiness, which will help you in year two, year three, year five, and on down the line. Boy, that's, that's powerful. And I hadn't thought of it that way. And, and if I can, I think of organizations that I've worked with as a client and yeah, you talk to different people, you hear different things. That is a trust eroder big time. And in, in a post-trust world where we are right now, trust is uh, the ultimate uh, competitive advantage. And so that's interesting. So I got my marketing hat on here for a moment. And those who listen to the podcast know I, I have a foot firmly planted in both the sales and marketing world with an eye on to revenue. Um, but, you know, what was interesting to me in my marketing, my marketing mind wants to say, hey, Jim, we live in a world where buyers are online. Um, you know, I can, I can quote Matt Dixon from last week's episode of the podcast, or I can quote him and say buyers are... 57, 72% of the way through the buying process. So I'm just going to get my marketing message aligned. If I get my marketing message aligned, we'll have a unified message as a company. But your research in the book was very interesting to me. And I think it was kind of a bit of a cold glass of water in the face that the online message is only a tiny piece of what a client or prospect actually hears. That's exactly right. And, and by the way, I just want to assert once again that you and I are uh, kindred spirits in all this and have kindred uh, experience. So I have, uh, I'm a marketing guy too, by a lot of my training and, and MBA work. And um, I was a chief marketing officer for a mid-sized private company for a little more than four years. More recently, I do, I tend to do more work with sales teams and, and leadership teams uh, with very much a focus on top line. But but it is bringing those pieces together that's, that's very important. Um, so you were, um, you were talking about the alignment and, and you know, won't our great positioning uh, really work for us? And a couple of things come to mind. And a couple of data points that it might surprise you a little bit, not, the, not necessarily the direction of them, but the impact of them. So one of them um, is a, a podcast guest of mine, a guy named Tim Pollard. Uh, who runs a, a B2B uh, consultancy. And he did a survey of a couple thousand um, high-level business-to-business sellers, typically in the technology space or a higher, volume, higher value solution. Mm-hmm. He asked them uh, on a confidence. So on a one to 10 scale, what degree of confidence you have in the value of your solution, what you actually offer, and what on that same one to 10 confidence scale, what is the, the confidence you have in the messaging behind it? The confidence hmm. in the offering was more than eight, pretty high. Right. The confidence in the messaging behind it was less than four. Really? So a huge gap. The people who are actually out there <laughs> selling, they're, they're confident we can help these, these customers and these prospects in a certain way. Our stuff works. It may not be perfect. It never is perfect, but it right. works. And, but on the other hand, they, they lack confidence. So what does that mean if you're uh, – the marketing leader or the sales leader or the, the company leader overall. It mm-hmm. means that salespeople aren't using a lot of the marketing messages. They're probably not using the collateral or they take the, 
a capabilities PowerPoint and they, they change it 10 different ways uh, or whatever the, the case is. So if the, if the sales team, sales people and your, your frontline folks don't have confidence that the messaging is in line with the value of what you have to offer, that's a really big problem. The other data point that's uh, really important for everyone to consider here, and I think this is what you were referring to, Daryl, is there's been some very good research. Um, Jonah Berger is a, a Wharton School guy um, and, a, and a best-selling author had done some research as well. He was trying to find where word of mouth happens. And I was surprised by the degree of the answer. I would have thought these days that word of mouth is probably roughly old-fashioned analog conversations, uh, and maybe the other half is digital, with digital on the rise. But right. even in this digital world, uh, and it, what you call it a post-trust world, more than 90% of word of mouth happens offline. Wow. And just the conversations that people have, one-to-one -one or one-to-a-few. And so if you're looking for where's the most fertile ground for us to really focus, where mm -hmm. we can stand out, I'd say, Start there. You obviously want your offline conversations to be, they should bear some resemblance to what's on your website, what's in social media, what's in digital. Again, to your earlier point, if they're inconsistent, then people won't know what to believe and they won't much of anything at all. But you need to be able to translate that good positioning into conversations, into those interactions in the marketplace so that they'll truly live and be believed. Yeah. Wow. That's, that, that is so interesting. This is, uh, once again, if you are listening in, you definitely even want to hit pause and, and get the science of customer connections. This is a really fascinating, fascinating book. So Jim, I'm curious. So you come in, let's say you come into my organization and I've got a sales team and it's the wild west. They're all, you know, you, you call them cowboys in your yes. book, right? They're all saying something different. And, and just a little footnote on that. I just, I remember my first sales job walking in and I, you know, I, I went through this sales training. I watched all the, you know, back then it was transparencies. Um, and I memorized all this stuff. Tom Hopkins, how to master the art of selling was sitting on my desk and I went out in the field. I knew all the techniques, right? I knew what, how to handle objections, but no one taught me how to talk about the company. I mean, I memorized an initial presentation. So I spent the next few years kind of listening and when, you know, when I'd be with another salesperson or I had a good manager riding with me, I'd pay attention to what they were saying and I'd pick it up. But I had to kind of, I had to assemble my own talking points. If I look back, you know, I, it was just kind of piecemeal picking out talking points. And how much better would it have been if the company had handed me talking points, right? And said, this is, this is the playbook. So let's say you walk into the organization because I think what you're talking about is epidemic. Everyone's saying something different based on what they think is right. You walk into an organization, um, like where in the world would you start in this process of getting everybody aligned with the right message? Sure. And first of all, let me acknowledge, Daryl, that your situation is really common. In fact, yeah. it's, it's very, very typical. So you have a lot of ind individuals who are doing things well and, and really good salespeople. We looked at the sales side of the ledger specifically. I mean, you've got high performers, well-motivated people. They, they know what to do. 
uh, and they tend not to want to be interfered with a whole lot. <laughs> That's an so, understatement. <laughs> so just know, and, and what, what tends to happen, you're right, there's there's kind of a Darwinian sense of, you know, well, go learn from Daryl, he's really good at this, or you will observe somebody else or pick up some piece of training or and people begin to cobble together what mm-hmm. they think works for them. Um, and I'll just say what I would not recommend is some people can, and even an organizational leader would say, there's a ton of inconsistency in how we talk about the business. So we need to give people a script. No, that's not at all what I'm suggesting. In fact, that'll just give you problems on the other, on the other side, because your very best people will re- be the first ones to reject a script and they yep. should. So, so the, your question was about how would you approach it? And yeah. so, um, there are a few principles that I have in mind and I have a very simple model that I have found in my work with sales teams and startups and entrepreneurs and you know, big enterprises and small is there's, there's a pretty common pattern, pretty common structure that you as the leader, whether you're a team leader or a company leader can look at. So success in this area, what I call managing the message has three components. You can think of it as I do as a three legged stool. So mm-hmm. One of them is the message. So what are the actual words that you would say, the questions you would ask, the stories you would share um, when you're when you're talking to someone about your business? The second leg are the messengers. So think about the very people whom you want to carry that message inside and outside the company. What do you want your current customers saying about you, by the way? Uh, what do you want your friends in the community, uh, influential people to be saying about you? You just need to feed that system understanding the characteristics that most people have. And then the third leg of that stool is what I call management or management habits. So it's not not the people who are in management. They're great. It's the habits that you follow. So how can you gain consistency over time with the things that people know, how they're onboarded? How do you keep the message fresh? How do you build some skills and confidence over time? When someone goes from being a frontline worker, a worker bee, and all of a sudden they're a frontline manager and they're mm-hmm. supposed to coach other people in how to do this. How are you supporting that? Um, so um, so there, there's just some habits and ways. I don't think of this as like a promotional effort. What we want to do is, is have a permanent change in how we think about our business and how we talk about it inside and outside the company. So back to the point, how would you do this? A few principles. Most people start with the message itself. And this is where marketing and sales and everybody else can be involved. One principle that I would follow, and and Daryl, for your listeners, if if you do it yourself or if you work with somebody else, is think about real conversations, like how do human beings talk? Mm -hmm. Ask what do they need? What do they... um, don't get caught up in marketing speak. Sorry, marketing comrades, but uh, but yes, it's so easy um, to all of a sudden get some very highfalutin language. <laughs> um, and if you look at mission statements and vision statements, that sort of terrible. Thing, well, they're just bland, and they're, yeah. they they read like a committee effort, which they probably were. Mm-hmm. So they they won't help you stand out. So if you can convert that really good positioning work into real conversational language and stories and visuals and Mm -hmm. all of that would have made a big step. So, um, so get real and conversational and involve the very people on the messenger side whom you expect and want to carry that message, which may be involving some of your best current customers or other people who know you and will tell you the truth. Um, And so um, 
I think that that does a couple of things. First of all, it makes your message better. It also builds momentum inside your company for the product that will eventually come out. You've probably seen this a number of times. If you hire some consultant or an agency or someone else like that, here's our new message. What can be the, the undercurrent inside a company? Oh, well, that's the agency. The agency sent us this stuff to talk about. <laughs> some consultant came in and or this is what the CEO says everybody ought to be saying. And they'll roll their eyes and they'll play along as much as they have to, but they'll go back to the so, guilty, so. guilty. Well, and I've yeah, seen, I've done that. I've, I've been the agency and we've come up with what we thought was brilliant messaging. And it, it probably was, I may or may not have been, but it never, it never turned into conversation at the uh, sales level, at the front line, you know, with the client right. level. And so as a result, not only am I seeing now that I, obviously it's not effective, but then if like the banner of the website, the beautiful tagline and direction of the marketing material doesn't align with what's coming out with, of everybody's mouth. Not only is that ineffective, it may be counter effective. Like it, it actually might be hurting you. And I think you would probably say, no, Daryl, it actually is hurting you when it's inconsistent. It yeah. So it can be, you know, roundly ignored, which is a frustration sure. and a cost an opportunity yep. lost. And sometimes it can be actual, you know, undercut you in the way yeah. that we talked about um, earlier. So, so it's the message and involve those people and people who know you and, um, and know what you're all about. But there's some good news in all of this. Um, so per, again, an overarching bit of good news is you don't have to be perfect because most organizations in most industries and most sizes, they, they don't do this very well. It seems too mysterious. It's too squishy. They don't, they just don't get it. They don't approach it as a manageable business issue, which is, is what it is. Um, but a little bit of a good news if we go to the messenger side. So one of the things if I was going in and looking at an organization, um, it's important to get broad buy-in, but you may find that people assume, well, only the extroverts or only the product experts or only our leadership are really the ones who can do this. That's really who we're trying to, to get prepped. And I'd say, first of all, no, you want a really broad growing network of fans and messengers. The other thing that we've learned through science, not my research, but um, some, some really good people who have done it, is that extroverts are not naturally the best salespeople. And it's, that's been a wide assumption for a couple <laughs> of generations. And I, I know it's something that you know, you've lived and you've talked about as well. But it's actually the people in the middle, who mm -hmm. uh, the researchers call ambiverts. I call the nimble majority. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so most of us are naturally wired for good conversation. So we're not trying to turn everybody into a keynote speaker or, um, or a professor or, you know, some subject matter expert, but just plug into their conversation. The, and then it comes to the third part. So I would say if we were beginning this process or if you were looking at your company and thinking, what, what can I do here? I don't want this just to be another short term campaign. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be the flavor of the month or, oh, this is what the CEO is. You know, everybody play along, play nice, and you right. know, next month it'll be something else. Is you want to tie into some habits and practices, work this into the natural ways that your people learn and meet and coach and evaluate. Do it some, some small pieces. So, for example, if we had a new message that we'd done through a sales team, one of the things that we would do is... Um, when sales teams meet, a lot of them 
meet on a weekly basis, now it may be virtual, but we will take bits of our messaging playbook and our new messaging, do a little role play, do some coaching, do some peer evaluation, working together to say, let's give ourselves some practice of actually using these sorts of things. Um, help those frontline managers with good coaching tools and, um, and, and just, you know, again, think through how it works in the onboarding, think how it works into your regular meetings, just little snippets in there. So it doesn't become a thing. It becomes, hey, everyone, here's how we are uplifting the way that we engage with one another and especially mm. the way we engage in the outside world. Yeah, think of, I mean, it, it's interesting because so much of this, um, what you're talking about, I know, you know, one of the three M's is managing all of this. And, and really, it's, it's probably leaning more to the leadership side of management. And, you know, I think for the, the business owners that are listening in, as well as the marketing and sales leaders, but particularly the business owners, your team's the way they speak, the uh, way your people speak about your company, um, sales, marketing, and everybody else really is a key determinant. And I know I've, I've talked to, especially my role over the years in working in marketing, I've talked to so many business owners in just kind of side conversations where they're actually a little nervous about what their salespeople are saying, right? Because especially if it's a small business where there's, you know, they've their family name and and they're really personally invested in it. Um, I've met business owners that would confidentially say, I'm really nervous about what my sales team is saying. And so I think this has a lot of merit um, for, for a business owner that says, you know what, I want to make sure um, whether you've got a, a, a established business, uh, great. I'm just thinking of some startups I'm working with. What amazing thing if you could start with a, a messaging playbook and this is how we talk and as you scale your company. But this is, uh, you could have a unified message. This is really, really critical. And, and Jim, I just... I, I, this is an audio podcast, but if, if you could, if you could see me now, I'm just cheering you on, man. Cause I think this is really essential right now. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll add one more thing to it and, and maybe this is a good way to round the podcast out. We're, we're definitely in a time of, uh, change, uncertainty, flux, you know, this, the COVID-19 thing that, uh, that spun out this spring is going to have long reaching effects in terms of our businesses and the economy. And, uh, thus I believe in terms of the conversations and message we need to have. So as we round out, I'm curious, what are your thoughts in, in terms of how a company should shift their message during this season and how would you coach how would you coach all of us in terms of getting our teams on the same page with this kind of post-COVID figuring things out message we're in right now? I'll pass along and it gets right into, there's some work I'm doing now with, uh, with a big transportation company. And we had, we had just put together some new messaging for them. They have a few hundred salespeople across the U.S. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, then this thing that we're living through hits. And as you can imagine in anything involving transportation, so this is a, a big between the, you know, moving medical supplies and food. Um, and, and so there's this huge emphasis on that, but then there's also, you know, other uh, so-called non-essential businesses. Uh -huh. So the, 
people in the transportation world that are all over the map. A lot of them businesses way down. Um, some of them it's steady to up. It varies a lot by industry and there is angst and anxiety, legitimate anxiety everywhere. So uh, a lot of their sellers were, were struck, hey, we got this great new message, but then, you know, a few weeks later, the world changed. Right. What do we do now? And if if nothing else, a lot of this, Daryl, I think comes to getting to some fundamentals mm-hmm. um, and, and the role of a, whether you want to call it a messaging playbook or just a guide, whatever is your source mm-hmm. of truth, um, to be real clear about who do we best serve? Here's how we help. Um, here is how we can meet people where they are and, and, uh, and going through. So right now, for example, you talk about outcomes. Well, yeah, outcomes, it, it always is the overlap between our interests and our, our, our customers' interests. Right now, one of the outcomes is that people just need some more answers and some more data and, some, and just a sense of knowing whom I can count on, even if I can't order something right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great outcome uh, for an individual conversation. So what we did with this, this group is, is think through uh, and how can we be most helpful right now? So for some of their customers who are in these essential businesses, it is really helping them in real time, day to day, know what schedule is like, trying to find drivers, trying to, you know, mm-hmm. get all that and for a lot of others who probably are the majority of the people on their customer list or prospect list is their business is down. And they don't know exactly when it's going to come back or how, but they know that they have to plan for it. So the ways they can be helpful right now, obviously, it could be the, the check-in, see how you're doing, mm-hmm. ask some questions, listen a lot, show that empathy, but also say, you know, we, ha- we have access to a lot of, uh, a lot of data um, and a lot of tra- indicators. So, so maybe I can share that with you, uh, prospect, um, over, you know, what, what makes sense for you every week or two, I can send you some things, what we're seeing that you might not have visibility to might help you and your team to be able to do a little bit more planning because the yearly plan went out the window. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, not just encouragement, but if you also have data, some insights, some guidance, a how to, uh, that actually is, is going to help a lot in, in these cases. And once again, it's not just your expertise, but also your empathy and the, the quality of the conversations that you're able to have. Yeah, so valuable. I'm just sitting here as you're talking, thinking, wow, if I were a company and I'd gone through this process and I had a unified message, when a crisis like this hit, I'd have a framework in which to roll out a message, consistent message, which, I mean, if you think about companies right now, this has been a real challenge, right? They've got to roll out a new message. Exactly. but. You know, as, as they always say, the best time to start is, you know, 10 years ago, but you can start today, right? This is not a bad thing to do right now. As, it, it's, it's a fantastic thing to do right now in terms of thinking of your strategy going forward. And so, um, yeah, I just, I want to highly advocate everyone to check out the Science of Customer Connections because when you manage your message, you will grow your business. And that's what we're all about here at the Revenue Growth Podcast. So, Jim, just a sincere thank you for sharing time with us today. Any parting thoughts as we get ready to uh, to wrap things up? Uh, I would just say, uh, first of all, thank you. It's really great to be here Welcome. on this podcast and and with your your listeners or the people who are again living this every day. Yeah. Um, if there's one overriding and very practical bit of encouragement I can give you is that this is a manageable business problem. You just for simple principles. 
There's a simple yeah. guide as I walk people through the book. And then the other things that I do is like, you can do this on your own. You can mm -hmm. get help as, as well, but there's a, there's a nice system that you can do it. You don't have to change the fundamentals of your business. You can take your existing positioning. You can take your go-to-market strategy and you're just trying to get this down at street level at conversation level and let that work for you as a way to drive your business. This is something you can do. And I've, I've seen uh, businesses of different sizes and I'll, be able to put this together in, you know, 45 days. Mm -hmm. A big company, if you wanted to get a lot of consensus and get a lot of inputs, you know, maybe 90 days. But this is not something that's uh, some, you're, you're not trying to put the big five-year plan together or you don't have to do uh, a whole lot of really hard things. Just a few simple steps and this is a way that you can truly stand out and, and grow revenue um, in addition to all the other, other uh, buttons that you're pushing. Fantastic. Well, Jim, thank you. Uh, thanks for all the work you're doing. And to everyone listening in, thank you as well. You know, one of the things I was just struck today, I got to sit in on two different panel discussions with uh, sales leaders in one and uh, the other was sales reps. And, and what I was overwhelmed with is this, the incredible, positive, can-do attitude. And it's coming out right now. And, and I hear it from many of you that I get to interact with and listen to the podcast so thank you for that. As always, I know we want to bring you actionable items every week. You got some this week. And so I get Jim's book, put this to work. Finally, thank you to everybody who's sharing uh, reviews on your podcast platform. It really means a lot and it helps spread the message. And together, we are going to drive and thrive. You know, as, as part of the C-Suite Radio Network, the Revenue Growth Podcast, we're dedicated to helping companies move forward and move forward successfully. So as we always say, until next week, let's get going and let's get growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.